Good morning again. We uh, are continuing, actually wrapping up. Last week, many of you know that I said, if you're here, like, this is our last message on Flourish. So I lied to you. Sorry about that. I didn't know I was lying. Actually, I have a bonus week. I'm so excited in a moment here. I invite my friend to come. And uh, But I just thank you for, for being here. I want to just give you kind of a highlight a little bit, maybe just kind of a family moment at Christ the King is thank you for your continual prayer for all that God's doing and God, what God will do in and through our church. We, we all have gone through a lot in the last few years. And so I just want you to know that coming up here uh, this Tuesday is a pretty big day for us regarding our property. And so if you haven't been around for a while or, or you don't know, you're new to us, uh, we're actually trying to build a new building. So when people drive by and go, why doesn't, why don't they paint that building? Like, actually, we want to do better than that. <laughs> and so we're, we have plans. You can look in the back there to build a building here. But one of the key things is getting a driveway signed off for. And unfortunately, it's kind of presses to a legal issue. And so if we don't get an answer by, by Tuesday, September 6th, we're going to have to take legal action. And so I don't, none of us like lawsuits or anything like that, but we have no choice to move forward in that. And so, you know, pray, pray for that. We don't have to do that. Uh, we, but I, I want to make it public that we're going to need to, we're going to need prayer for that and to move forward in the, in the steps we need to do to take care of the needs that are here to continue to reach out in our, in our community. So thank you for praying. Thank you for believing uh, for that. And we've got a great team, great people around it. I, I really believe we're making, we have wisdom in, the, in the, the places where we need to when it comes to the people making, helping us make decisions for that. So I uh, appreciate that. Uh, this next couple of weeks will be kind of some interesting, different Sundays. We'll have a variety of things happening. I'm real excited. We're gearing up for our, a fall series that we'll be doing through the book of Genesis. And so that's coming together and preparing for that. And I just think there's some good things ahead for us of engaging in community together this fall. But I can't believe it's Labor Day weekend. It's just crazy, isn't it, how fast it goes by. Kids are back to school and everything is happening. Um, but I, as I mentioned, this is kind of a bonus week, really. Uh, I can't think of even a better thing to, to wrap up, but on the topic of prayer. I'm going to ask Andy Weedy to come. Andy has been, a, I say, a longtime friend, old friend. We used to, him and I didn't have gray hair before, but we, but we, have, we have hair. And so that's great. And we don't want it to people that don't have hair. If you, I'm sorry you don't have hair. But Andy go, and I go way back before, really, anybody else. I mean, we were, we were kind of in this thing. And Andy and I kind of swapped places in preaching at North Bay when we were at the school. Do you remember those days? Yeah. Some of those folks are still here with that. But many years. And one of the reasons not only the Lord has kept us here, being here and a part of this community, Andy and I are part of a prayer gathering that we meet on a weekly basis. I, I mean, it's been 14 years being friends, but really 13 years we've gathered. Either it's a Thursday or a Wednesday with a group of pastors, and that, that circle's changed, but we haven't. We're still here. Yeah. We're still young. We're still doing it. And, uh, <laughs> man, you're tall. I didn't know that. I've always been in the... I never stood on a stage with you. Thank you for being here, brother. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. My pleasure. Give us the word this morning. Thank yeah. you. Uh, it was fun. We were, we were chatting on... Uh, Wednesday after our prayer gathering, Dan and I were just spending a couple minutes just chatting and reflecting a little bit on 14 years. And raise your hand if you were at Christ the King 14 years ago. Are there just a few still? Okay, fantastic. That's just a joy to see. And I'll tell you why. Because as I went home that day, Wednesday, and I was um, 
just again kind of preparing for this time this morning, uh, I, I was looking back and realized that the passage I'm going to preach on this morning, I preached on 14 and a half years ago at Christ the King when it was at the at primary school in Blaine. So if you were here 14 years ago, you can just tune out or um, <laughs> jump on YouTube on your phone and pull up a John Piper sermon or something like that. Just keep it on mute. So, um, But it's a joy. It's fun to get to be here. Uh, I've popped in every once in a while. And uh, Dan wasn't supposed to be here this morning. Um, so I had a whole, I had a whole nother sermon planned because he wasn't going to be here but then he decided to be here so I thought I better get back to the Bible and (laughs) preach a sermon from the Bible Uh, but uh, anyways um, I really am I'm thrilled to be here I want to pray for the time that we get together and then um, and then I'll share let's pray shall we our father in heaven we exalt you this morning because you are God and frankly we are not we come into this place eager to hear from you father in heaven as we've sung we invite your holy spirit to um, invest the word of god now your word into these lives into these souls in which we inhabit father god in heaven this time we devote to you it will be by your grace and your mercy that we walk away from this time different than we were when we arrived pray that this would be less of me and more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want us to think for just a moment about this quote. Quote that I have here. Before the words of prayer come to the lips, the mind must believe in God's willingness to draw near to us. I'll say it again. Before the words of prayer come to the lips... The mind must, be, must believe in God's willingness to draw near to us. And the thing that, I, that comes to my mind when I hear this quote is um, there's, there's a connection, there's a relationship between prayer and faith. And I want to mine that out a little bit this morning. I want to peel back the layers on that one just a little bit. The story is told of a young tourist in Jerusalem who observes a Jewish man praying at the wailing wall. The man rocked back and forth in his chair with his eyes closed, beating his chest. And occasionally he'd raise his hands, but steadily and passionately this Jewish man prayed aloud. Well, some time passed before the man finally stood up to leave. The young tourist approached him. What do you pray for? Asked the tourist. I pray for righteousness. I pray for the health of my family. I pray for peace in the world, especially here in Jerusalem, responded the man. Are these prayers effective? Asked the tourist. The man's eyes grew distant as he glanced back at the ancient monument. It's like talking to a wall. (laughs) Do you ever feel like that, though? Maybe. 
When you pray, do you ever feel like you're talking to a wall? Sometimes I do. Sometimes for sure, especially during periods of pain, periods of suffering, my finances or my job are being threatened. I lose a close friend in a drowning accident. Something like depression begins to set in. And no matter how often or how fervently I pray, it still seems like no one's listening. Just silence. I came across this letter in a book by Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors. Can I share this letter with you? This, this letter, uh, it's titled Still Waiting, and it's by a woman that Yancey refers to as Joanne. I could list probably a hundred prayers that haven't been answered. I'm not talking about selfish prayers, but important prayers. God, keep my kids safe. Keep them away from the wrong crowd. All three ended up in trouble with the law, abusing drugs and alcohol. I guess maybe 20% of my prayers get anything like the answer that I want. I review my journal and I see God doing less and less. I get mad like a child. I stomp and I, and I stop talking. I'm passive-aggressive with God. I put him off. Maybe later, God. I've got to say, Jesus' story of the persistent widow who keeps pestering the judge sours with me. Thousands of people pray for a Christian leader who has cancer, and he dies. What did Jesus mean by that parable? That we keep beating our heads against a wall? I give up. Joanne, if you're here this morning, Joanne, if you're here this morning, would you hear this? Don't give up. Keep praying and don't give up because our prayers are the grandest expression of faith in him who is on his way. Our prayers are the grandest expression of faith in him who is on his way. If you have a Bible, you'll, you'll want to turn with me to Luke chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. We'll put the words of this passage up here on the screen. A little bit of context, a little bit of background first. Through um, Coming up through chapter 17, Jesus has been talking about this day of the Lord, this day of the Son of Man, Jesus' second coming. He, he says it's going to be like Noah in the sense that no one will believe it. He says it's going to be like Lot in the sense that no one will see it coming. But for those who have faith, even faith the size of a mustard seed, that story is in there in chapter 17, faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to be a really good day. It's going to be a whole different day than what you can imagine. Do away with pain and sufferings. It's gone. Flatten injustice once and for all. Man, I can't wait for this 
today. But until then, look around. Pain, suffering, they abound. Injustice, it's there. We don't have to look very far to see it. Injustice, peril, fighting, it's pandemic. Everywhere, from us to the ends of the earth. And so, chapter 18, verse 1 Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Now I want to pause there for just a minute. We, we might consider some of these parables and, 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 and begin to draw this comparison between God and this unjust judge. Okay, well, Jesus says to pray and to not give up. So like the widow, I'm going to keep at God. I'm going I'm to keep pestering him. As Joanne says, bending his ear and tugging on his robe, banging my head against the walls of his throne room until he finally grants me my prayer. We, we could draw that comparison, but the problem with that is that prayer then becomes this transaction, if you will. It's like this hungry kid with his mom at the grocery store or, or, or in the checkout line. Okay, you got that picture in your mind? We've, we've seen that. I was that parent with a kid. Some of you might have been too. It's like, it's like you know, God's fine. Quit, quit bothering me. Here, take your health. Take your health if that's what you want so badly. Sheesh, it's, it, it's, it's no fun being God. You take all the fun out of being God. I was going to surprise you with, a, with an answer to your prayer, but just here, go away from me now. You bother me, kid. But that's not the picture of God the Father that we uncover in the pages of Scripture. God is not like the unjust judge, this unrighteous disrespecter of people. Quite the contrary. He is righteous and faithful and true. The highest respecter and advocate for his crowning creation, especially his chosen redeemed who cry out to him day and night. Friend, hear this this morning, that this story, this parable, is less of a comparison between God and the unjust judge, and it's more of a contrast between them. The story is less of a comparison between God and the unjust judge and more of a contrast between them. Now track with me through this passage and I'll show you what I mean by this. 
If we back up to verse 2, there's the judge. He didn't fear God. He, he didn't care about men. Okay, remember that. And we'll see. Did I come back on? There we are. Verse 3, we see the widow. She kept coming, kept coming at him, pleading with him. Grant me justice against my adversary. Okay, I've prayed that. You've prayed that, perhaps. We have an adversary, do we not? The adversary. Okay, so we've prayed this. And then verse 4, the judge shows up again. He refuses justice to the widow for some time, it says. Days, weeks, months, longer, maybe. We feel this. He says he doesn't fear God, and he knows it. Think about that for a minute. It says he doesn't care about men, and he knows it. Verse 5, still the judge, finally, he's going to grant justice because of these two great reasons, phenomenal reasons that he has. Reason number one, this widow keeps bothering me, okay? So he's annoyed by her persistence. His incessant, this incessant pleading for justice. And then his second reason, he doesn't want her to wear him out. <laughs> I like the way Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible, he says, um, I'll, grant, excuse me, I'll grant her justice, otherwise I'm going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. <laughs> he has a wonderful way with words. Do these reasons strike anyone else as, as arrogant, as selfish? Does this sound like a comparison to God the Father? No. Now look at verse 6. I'll read verse 6. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Okay, so again, Eugene Peterson, he says it this way. Do you hear what the judge, as corrupt as he is, is saying. Okay, so Jesus with his disciples now, he's talking to his disciples, can you believe it, men? Okay? But that's what it's like around this world. Jesus essentially says there's arrogance, there's selfishness, everything is a means to an end. That's what it's like among humankind, but not with God. So verse 7 and 8. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Isn't this beautiful? This this being, being, now we, the God the Father begins to emerge. He calls us chosen ones. There's a whole lot of theology that's packed into that little phrase, but simply put, God loves you, Christian. You are his chosen ones. He loves you so much that first, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death and to be raised from the dead uh, to redeem our sinful lives from death. And he loves you so much 
that he's sending Jesus back again to rescue us and, and to do away with that pain and that suffering and that injustice and that sin. He loves us. And friend, here this morning, if this resonates with you in an unsettled manner, let's do some business after we're done this morning. There'll be a time when we're done to, to come up and to pray together. Dan will be here. I'll be up here. If either of those two statements of God's love for you, if they're unsettling to you, let's have some more conversation. Okay? Jesus says, Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who are crying out, day and night? These are rhetorical questions that Jesus is dropping into the conversation. Jesus knows the answer to this question. His disciples know the answer to this question. I think that many of you at a deep place know the answers to these questions. Of course he will. And then the second question, will he keep putting them off of course he won't. He will bring justice quickly. The idea in this word is that of something that is imminent. It's close enough to sense it. Okay? He is on his way, friend. He's on his way. What Jesus has done here, in essence, is he set up the world scene as one of selfishness and injustice, and he's made the commanding declaration to us this morning that God is nothing like that. He's not holding out on us. He's on his way. We're his chosen ones. He loves us deeply, intimately. And listen, if, if we can get this idea dialed in, that, that God is not like the unjust judge, but, but that he cares deeply for us. He, he not only knows our pain, but he feels our pain. You remember the pain that Jesus went through. There is no level of suffering that we might go through that he does not already understand and know. He knows everything there is to know about injustice. And if we can wrap our minds around that, then friend, this beautiful relational aspect to prayer begins to emerge. See, prayer becomes less about a transaction and more about a relationship. Prayer becomes less about this transaction. If I do this, you do that, right? And more about this relationship. You love me, Father. And I love you. 
All of a sudden, we don't have to feel like we're banging our heads against a wall trying to get God's attention. (laughs) We're not cowering before the throne of an unjust judge who doesn't really want us there in the first place. Nor are we pestering him, beating him black and blue with our incessant petitions. Try this quote on for size. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is laying hold of his highest willingness. When we pray, we're not not striving to get what God doesn't want us to have. (laughs) It's quite the opposite. It's, it's, it's the opportunity to take hold of what he most deeply desires for us. When we come to God in prayer, we come in confidence that he has been paying attention to us, that he knows our pain and knows our suffering. He knows the injustice that bears down on us. He's listening very carefully to the cries of our hearts. And he's not putting us off. He's on his way. The waiting, the waiting that we maneuver through, that waiting is achieving something for us, friends. It's it's proving and it's purifying something in us. The longer we wait upon God for Him to respond according to His purpose and His will, the longer we wait upon Him, the more pure, the more proved our faith is becoming. Because look at how Jesus wraps up that parable again at the end at verse 8. He says, When the Son of Man comes, will He find what? faith on earth will he find faith on earth and all of a sudden we realize this grand point that this story while it is about prayer it's less about prayer and it's more about faith friend you and me this beautiful association prayer and faith. Or perhaps maybe a better way of saying it is the story is less about persistent prayer and more about persistence period. Will he find faith? Will he find your faith? Remember the widow before the judge. I believe you can do this. She wouldn't have come to the judge if she didn't believe he could do it whatever she was asking of him. I believe you can do this. She makes her plea. No. Please, no. But you don't under... No. Etc., etc., etc. And she keeps coming. I know that you can do this. Will he find that kind of deep abiding belief, that unwillingness to give up on crying out, day and night before the God 
who calls us his chosen ones. An unwillingness to back down until we have laid hold of all that God most fully desires for you and for me. Will he find that kind of faith? Men and women, when you face pain and suffering and injustice and it feels like no one is listening to your prayers, when you have cried out for days, weeks, even months, for some financial relief, for some emotional healing, or the life of a loved one, or your own life. And an answer seems as distant as God himself. May I tell you, don't give up. Keep on praying. And don't give up, because our prayers are the grandest expression of faith in him who is on his way. Just the fact that you bend your knee in prayer to God again and again and again, it demonstrates your faith in him, that he exists, that he can hear you, that he'll answer you. I now... I now wonder if in those moments, those moments of suffering, those periods of pain and injustice, wherein I cry and you cry out to God day and night for relief, I wonder if in those moments he's more concerned about my faith and your faith than he necessarily is about our prayers, what we say and how we say it. I wonder if he's honored less by my ineloquent pleas and my childlike weeping, and, and he's honored more by the simple fact that I would come to him first for rescue. Maybe that means more than what comes out of our mouth. Boy, I tell you, I wish I had more time with you guys. It, it's winding down, and, and, and we'll pray in a moment. I'm, but I'm learning so much about this, friends, this curious discipline of prayer. Fourteen and a half years ago, I was those notes, fourteen and a half years ago, when I was sharing on this passage, I was in the midst of a season that I had not been able to make heads or tails of. I ventured into this journey of prayer, this, this spiritual practice, or this uh, this Christ flourishing, and I'm not done yet. <laughs> We're just scratching the surface here. This is just the start of things. This is one facet to this multifaceted, beautiful, fully orbed, robust discipline of prayer. So while I wish we had more time, to get into the meat and potatoes. May, may you rest in this. May, may you take this with you to keep on praying and don't give up. Because your prayers, friend, are the grandest expression of faith.
who is on his way. Now let's pray. Our Father in heaven, your name we lift up above every other name. Father, I believe in a real sense that you are desiring even in this moment for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in a way that would startle some folks in this room right now. God, there's people here that have been crying out day and night to you with things on their hearts and on their minds, God, and they're, and they're waiting. Some of them are tired of waiting. Some of them are, are just, their limits are being pushed, Father in heaven. God, I pray right now, give us all the will and the ability to not give up. And Father, we pray to you that your speedy justice would come about. And it would be for your glory and not our own that we would boast in you, not ourselves. Father, this is your work. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. you wherever you are to just practice that, to practice entering into prayer as we sing. As I sing, you don't even have to sing with me. This is this is a, a very old, very well-worn, but very truthful song that we're going to sing. And I just encourage you to stand or to sit, to lift your hands, to close your eyes, to do whatever you feel comfortable doing in this moment just to engage in prayer. To honestly come before him in this moment. If you want to sing with me, please do, but you do not have to. Take some time with the Lord.
praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. the needs in this room. Thank you, Andy. That was 
richly simple. There's depth and there's simplicity to that message and we need to hear it. Thank you for bringing that. It was the right word that we needed, the right word that I needed uh, as in the world of complication and, 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 and this transactional thing that Lord was saying, it isn't, that's not what I want from you. I just want you. I just want relationship with you. It's so simple. It's so rich. And yet we have need. And the need has a need. There's a, there's a need and there's a reason for your need. And we could debate whatever the need is or whatever why, but, that, but God knows your need. And he knows how to meet your needs. He could do it like that. But he chooses not to many times for the very reason of relationship and seeking him and building and proving and purifying our faith that we heard this morning. But if you're here today, I just sense as is praying. So, Lord, where, where do you want to go with this? Because this, this is the picture I get is some of us came with need, and we're going to leave with that need. But we don't have to carry the burden alone of whatever that need is. And so if you have a need, can you just raise your hand and just prayer? You say, I've got a prayer need. Okay. A lot of us do. Now, I want you to take those of you who have your hands right. Can you just put your hands out in front of you? Go ahead right now. Just put your hands out in front of you. In fact, why don't we all do that so we're all joining in? Because we all have something that we want to give the Lord. And, and there's something that we're carrying. Here's the beauty of being a part of the body of Christ is we don't have to carry it alone. We have brothers and sisters around us that help will bear our needs as we go to a not a not a not a a judge, not a not a not a selfish, you know, begrudging judge, but a father who loves us that wants to give his best to us. And we want to pray over the best God has for us by doing that. And so if, if you could then position your hands and if you have a need, raise your hand. There's people here that want to pray for you. So let's just put a hand on a shoulder of the person. Raise your hand again if you're in need. Lot of, okay, go ahead and the people around you, if you put your hand on a shoulder right now. And so we're, we're partnering with you in prayer and going to this extravagant, loving Father who wants to meet our needs and desires to do that in the way he's going to do it. Father, we, can't, we come before you as children of you, children that belong to you, children that have nothing that we can give, nothing that we can earn. There's nothing of worth except our very selves. But your son came and redeemed us, bought us with a price. And so we're very, very, very valuable because you said we're valuable because of his shed blood for us. And so, Lord, we come to you as children covered by the, your son's blood, covered in the, this value that we have, and we come with you in need, our physical need, our, our emotional need, our spiritual need, our, our, our needs that we come before you, and we partner as brothers and sisters in sharing the load, but giving that load to you. And, Lord, you will take it, and you will do something with it, and you will you will transform it back into what you want us to carry this week. What you have given us, your, you, you, what you've called us to do as, as one those who cast our cares on you because you care for us. We're yoked with you. Our, your burden is easy. Our burden is, your burden is easy and light, Lord, that we can carry it, Lord, because you're the one carrying us. But it's beyond the need. It's this 
caring of you, of what you've given us. And, and, and so, Lord, that we would depend upon you, trust you in a greater way with what you've given us, Lord. And God, if it's your choosing, you will lift the burden, you will heal the body, you will restore the relationship, you will bring things to conclusion and resolve. And yet, Lord, this week, you might not. And even then, Lord, we serve you. Even then, we, we draw closer to you. And in it, Lord, you will purify and prove our faith that one day you will come. That one day, in fact, you're on your way. You're on your way, Lord. And we trust you in that, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. We are not done. If you need some prayer, as Andy mentioned, myself and him and others up here, we've got a prayer corner here. Jeff would love to connect with you and others here in the back. Thank you for being here today. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Have a great Labor Day. God bless you.